I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence, and you're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Tusha Agarwal, Chief Executive Officer and founder of Persistence, which describes itself as an ecosystem of next-generation financial services designed to stimulate global liquidity. So we know what we're talking about. What are you defining as next-generation financial services? In terms of creation of next-gen financial products and not services. High level, we're focused on three core, I would say, subdivisions of the products that we're focused on. So the first one being synthetic assets. What do I mean by synthetic assets? Synthetic assets are essentially, it could be any asset such as a stock, a commodity, which is synthetically represented within the crypto and the blockchain ecosystem. You know, today in most parts of the Western world, we take it for granted that, you know, if I want to go out and buy timber or if I want to go out and buy uh, a contract of oil or of, you know, certain kinds of wheat or even certain equities, I want to buy the Netflix stock that I will just have a brokerage account and have access to these financial products. But the reality is that most parts of the world actually have some sort of financial controls in place, uh, which does not allow citizens or residents of those geographies to have exposure to certain kinds of assets. You know, in the spirit of creating global access to these financial products or to these financial assets, you know, the first vertical that we're focused on is just the creation of synthetic assets so that an investor or a speculator has access to, you know, essentially all the assets that you and I kind of take for granted. The second asset that we're focused on is within the proof of stake ecosystem. So most folks are familiar with what proof of work is, which is the consensus mechanism that is followed by Bitcoin and Ethereum. Some of the folks who've been following what's been happening in the crypto world, there's a huge narrative around uh, both Bitcoin and Ethereum mining being extremely bad for the environment and consuming a huge amount of energy. And so the alternative consensus mechanism that has been developed is called proof of stake. At Persistence, we are proof-of-stake miners as well, or validators, as they're called, within the proof-of-stake ecosystem. And you know, during the course of being POS, or proof-of-stake miners, or validators, we've run into a huge bunch of problems, which we're trying to solve, mostly around liquidity of assets. Because you know, proof-of-stake, as the word itself goes, you have to stake your assets. Staking your assets means that you give up liquidity. But what we essentially wanted to do was ensure that the end users, whether they are retail or institutional folks, have access to those liquid assets while still staking their tokens. So the second asset that we're you know, focused on is just within the crypto world and trying to solve problems within the crypto world around proof of stake as a consensus mechanism. The third asset class that we're going after is essentially everything to do with non-fungible tokens or collectibles essentially any asset which has a unique representation. So it could be physical commodities, you know, so wheat originating in Australia is different from wheat originating from Canada, or it could be art pieces, essentially any unique assets. So those are the high level three kind of asset classes that we're going after. Over a period of time, the goal at Persistence is to democratize access to these financial products or financial assets to an increasing number of financial assets over a period of time. I understand the need to democratize because you want the markets to get broader, you want the markets to get deeper. Liquidity is essential, obviously, because nobody 
is going to want to get into a market that is illiquid. Absolutely. And so, and, you know, the most beautiful thing about crypto is that you can align incentives of various stakeholders to create that liquidity or to bootstrap liquidity. You know, ultimately, liquidity is extremely self-fulfilling where liquidity begets liquidity. And from our perspective, what we're doing in order to bootstrap that initial liquidity is to provide incentives to our initial set of power users who then become liquidity providers. As there is liquidity, more and more users, including institutional users, can come and start using these products. All right. You mentioned institutional users there. There are some institutions that are cautiously, gingerly approaching these new asset classes that you've been describing. How do you bridge the gap between what we might call legacy finance and the new stuff? You know, in that respect, we've done two key things in particular. So the first is within the commodity space. There's an application called Comdex, which essentially facilitates the trading of physical commodities that leverages the technology infrastructure that Persistence has created. And so Comdex essentially primarily targets commodity traders in the four major commodity trading hubs in Asia. So Singapore, Hong Kong, Kuala Lumpur, and Dubai. Physical commodity trading is essentially an asset class that is Hugely protective. Uh, not uh, Most people do not have access to this asset class. Most people don't know what's happening in this asset class. But you know, we were fortunate to have access to a few family offices that actively trade within this asset class. And so we worked with them to create this commodity trading application, as opposed to North America, especially where majority of the business is done by large corporations. In Asia, a lot of the business activity is driven by family offices and family-owned conglomerates. So What we try to do is, in order to bridge that gap between traditional finance and decentralized finance, we work very closely with certain incumbents or certain establishments that can help open up doors for us and provide their networks as well as expertise. The second has been primarily very effective in Europe where, or other parts of the developed world where interest rates have been extremely low. And so that is in the context of Proof-of-stake mining as an asset class. So what proof-of-stake is doing is creating the equivalent of the fixed income markets within crypto. And with interest rates you know, being at a historic low, a lot of institutional folks are looking at various ways on how to essentially you know, beat inflation, you know, especially now with fears of inflation rising as well. And so we're, in that regard, we're working with two institutions. One is called Davis which is a billion-dollar Swiss asset management firm that has been typically working in the domain of real estate financing. And the other one is a private equity firm called Bridge Tower Capital that's based out of the U.S. So both these funds have been looking at ways of generating fixed income returns for their institutional LPs. So essentially what we do is we white-label our services to both Tavis and Bridge Tower to be able to provide this new asset class to some of their LPs that are a little bit more risk-taking. And so that's essentially how we've bridged crypto or decentralized finance and and legacy or traditional finance. You're talking fairly high levels, and it's still early days, I appreciate. How do we move from where you are right now to the mass adoption of decentralized finance? Uh, So Robin, I think one thing is, and these are my personal views, you know, definitely not of the industry. You know, while the narrative of DeFi has been of you know banking the unbanked and driving adoption 
having built multiple products within the DeFi space and having used a lot of the products within the DeFi space, they're being built not in a way that is geared towards mass adoption. I think they're getting increasingly complex and you need to have a huge amount of context, both in terms of finance and technology and risk management, just to be able to use these products and risk management, not only in the context of finance, but also risk management in the context of technology. So we have a full-time research team in place just to stay on top of what's happening in the industry at persistence. So again, high level, if we look at traditional finance and what finance is used for at the retail level, if you have money in the bank, what do you want to use it for? You want to pay for things. You may want to earn some interest and you may want to get exposure to certain uh, stocks or certain bonds or gold or maybe some you know real estate. Those are the typical things that retail folks use finance for. Outside of that, 85% or maybe even 90 to 95% of finance is extremely complex products that are used by large corporations or large hedge fund managers or large institutions. And I think, and I'm maybe going out on a limb and saying this, especially given the narrative that the DeFi industry works on, but I think the products that are being built are not geared towards mass adoption. They're geared towards having thousand to hundred thousand power users around the world and who primarily use it for greater wealth accumulation. Okay, let's round up. I have to ask you about this. You were named to the Forbes 30 under 30 Asia list. What does that mean for you? I think it was a young adulthood dream of mine to be on the list. Before I joined crypto in 2017, which was about four years ago, prior to that, I had no idea how this would happen. But it's absolutely phenomenal and an honor to be on that list. You know, from my perspective, you know, it doesn't change much except for the fact that it becomes a lot easier to hire folks because they believe in you and what you offer as an organization and as an individual. It helps persistence as a brand. At the end of the day, it's just something that it's good to be recognized for, you know, some of the things that you've done. And that's about it. You know, I'm 28 right now. I think in a couple of years, it it won't matter. But for the next couple of years, it's, it's something nice to have. Tushar Agarwal, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Persistence, thank you very much.